Well, also want to welcome you uh, today. So glad that you're here in worship. We have not met, or if uh, you just forgot who I am. Uh, my name is David, uh, and I serve as a senior pastor here. If you're a first-time guest, thanks for being here. For those regulars, I've been out for the last few weeks, uh, but excited to be back with you uh, uh, today. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, if you don't have your Bible with you, uh, you can find Acts 1 in one of the blue Bibles that we have available for you. And all of our worship spaces. That will be on page 1689 uh, in the Blue Bible that we have for you. We, throughout this summer, have been going through the book of Acts. We're almost finished with that. We have a few weeks left, uh, but we're going to go back to the beginning of Acts chapter 1 uh, today. While I was away, you had the chance to hear uh, from three guest speakers. Uh, first, the Reverend uh, Gaston Warner, who serves as the CEO of Zoe Ministry. I appreciate him being here with you. Reverend Ben Disney, who is our new district superintendent. If you don't know what that means, that means that he's my boss. Uh, that's who, who Ben is. Uh, and then in the last week you heard uh, from my former boss, uh, Reverend Mike Ramsdale, uh, current director of evangelism and church growth for the Central Texas Conference. Uh, I had the chance to also hear all those messages. And one of the things that I appreciated that each of them shared with you is an affirmation of who you are as a community of faith. Now, all of them spoke about uh, your faithfulness, uh, the life that you share, not only in this community, but the way in which you as a community of faith live out your faith, the way it affects people around the world and it affects other churches uh, in our area. And what I wanted you to hear first is I didn't ask any of them to tell you that, okay? It wasn't part of the deal. Like they didn't sign a contract. Hey, if you come, you got to say something nice about these people. No, they simply spoke to you out of their own appreciation for who you are, uh, for the faithfulness, uh, for the witness of this church family. And that really sets up where we want to go uh, in this series that Pastor Johnny started for you last week. Uh, this idea as we come to the end of the summer months, the end of our reading through the book of Acts, to talk about uh, our core values. What are those things as a church that, see, that, that we seek to be the driving force of our church? Those things that when you put them together, they would form a picture that, would, that we could say to someone else, this is us. And this is who we are. This is what our church is about. This is how we live out our life of faith together. These are our core values. This is us. This is who we seek to be. Now, and this week, I, I put on Facebook, share with me some of the words uh, that you would use to describe uh, your church family, and you gave me a whole lot of words, a whole lot of wonderful words of affirmation about this church and what this church uh, has meant to you, so many that I was trying to figure out how in the world am I going to work all this in, and when I, uh, a after looking at all those, I started going through my mail. You know how you go away for vacation, and then you got to go through your mail and your email and all those messages, uh, and in the midst of that, I found this letter that I want to read to you. Uh, this was in the stack of things that were left for me here uh, in the office. Uh, it says this, Dear Pastor David, me and my brother had a lemonade stand. So what we did was we sold lemonade, little waters and big waters, cupcakes and ice pops. And we raised $82.25. And we want this money to go to Zoe Ministry in Africa to give to orphans. Last year, we raised $46.58, and we beat the total this year by $35.67. 
Sincerely, Brinley and Blade, and this was the best part. At the bottom of this, it says, BB's Lemonade and Snack Shack. <laughs> Isn't that great? Isn't that great? So, of all the wonderful words that you shared about your church, this is us. This is who we are. A church that's raising kids like, like Brinley and, and Blade to, uh, to go out and to serve and to share a gift with their community and out of that to want to share and to bless children on the other side of the world. Here's a couple of the core values that Johnny spoke about last week, and I want to invite you to read these uh, with me. Here's number one, shared lives lead to changed lives. Okay, we're going to try that again, a little bit of audience participation here. Uh, shared lives lead to changed lives. And the second one is that everyone has a next step. Everyone has a next step and shared lives lead to changed lives. So that we believe that if you're going to grow spiritually, you must be connected relationally. This is not a life that we do alone. This is a life that we do with one another. Uh, this is the very simple way that Pastor Johnny shared it with you, that you can't one another one another if it's just one and not another, okay? And if you think about it, that makes total sense. You can't one another one another if there's only one and not another. We are called to live in connected, deep relationships with one another. And where we are called to go, who we are called to be, the dreams that God has for our life, part of seeing those come true is, is, is dependent on the relationships that we have in our life, which is why we talk to you about groups and being connected with others beyond simply coming to church and, and sharing life with one another. Because you can't one another one another if it's just one and there's not another. So this week we're going to uh, number three, core value number three. We're going to look first in Acts chapter one, beginning in verse three. Uh, and here's what we find there. Uh, Acts 1, 3, this is Luke writing the second volume uh, of his work. He says, after his suffering. Now, his is a reference to Jesus. So just to give you a sense of what's happening here, we're in the period following the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. After that, he, Jesus, presented himself to them, them referring to his disciples, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now this is important because this may be a detail you don't know about the story of Jesus. When Jesus was resurrected, it wasn't a one-time appearance. Oh my gosh, I think that's Jesus. No, what the scriptures testify to, not only here in Acts, but also if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul uh, affirms that Jesus appeared to over 500 of those who had claimed faith in Jesus. Over the course of 40 days, Jesus spent time with them, encouraging them. Uh, this is at the end of that time. Verse 4 says this, on one occasion while he, Jesus, was eating with his disciples, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So remember again where we are in the story. Jesus uh, has been crucified. He has been resurrected. He is now in his resurrected form spent over 40 days with his disciples. These are individuals who not only walked with him through his earthly life, but also those who were witnesses to the beating that he endured, to the death that he endured, the the, the cross, the suffering that he endured there. At the end of it, he was dead as dead can be, placed in a tomb that he later escaped three days later when he was resurrected. These are the witnesses of those moments. And what we can see from the question that they ask of Jesus is that they have the sense that they are at the end of the story. Jesus, is this it? Is this the time when you're going to restore the kingdom? Their expectation is that they are but a moment away from the final moment. The moment when Jesus fixes everything and puts the world back together the way that it was always intended to be. And Jesus responds in what was at the time and still is today, one of the most dramatic plot twists you could ever imagine, by saying, I'm not going to answer that question. I'm not going to respond to, because it's not for you to know those things. And then Jesus essentially says this, for what you have expected of me, I'm now going to send you. For what you have expected of me, for this culmination, for the restoration of the kingdom, for, for this final moment, this thing that you've all been waiting for, for me to do, I'm now going to send you. Now in sending them, of course, Jesus says, you know, you're not going to be alone Go back to verse 8 and look what he says. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit, the counselor, uh, the, the one who would come and teach them, the one who would remind them of all the things that Jesus had taught them. And in John 14, Jesus says, this is the Spirit that will come that will enable you to do even greater things than you have seen me doing. Because when the Spirit comes, Jesus says, you will receive power. Not just help, not just a little push, not just a a pick-me-up at the end of the day, but power to be my witnesses in Judea, in Samaria, in Jerusalem, to the ends of the earth. For what you have expected of me, I am now sending you. And here, among other places, we find this this third core value uh, that we believe followers of Jesus are those who help others follow Jesus. Followers of Jesus help others follow Jesus. Would you read that with me? Followers of Jesus help others follow Jesus. One more time. Followers of Jesus help others follow Jesus. This is what we do. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus is one who helps others follow Jesus. One who understands that they do that work not alone, but by the power of the Spirit. They help others follow Jesus. Jesus. Now, this moment in Acts chapter 1 
Uh, It's recorded in other places in the scriptures. So if you turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28, uh, many of you know uh, these verses. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Again, followers of Jesus help others follow Jesus. You don't do that work alone. The Holy Spirit goes with you. You are sent forth to teach and instruct, to baptize, to invite people into this way of life. And Jesus says, I will always be with you by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Again, followers of Jesus help others follow Jesus. And here's what I want you to pause and to consider with me. That as you think about this moment recorded in Acts and here in Matthew 28, Jesus there with his disciples as they come to him and say, are are you gonna do now what we have been waiting for God to do? And Jesus says to them, No, I'm going to send you. I want you to think about that everything in our world today that has any connection to Jesus and the story of Jesus, everything that you know about that has occurred throughout human history that has anything to do with him and with his story, all of it finds its beginning right here. All of it is right here in Jesus receiving their question and in returning to them this commission for what you have expected me to do, I am now sending you. And everything, everything, everything today and throughout human history, it all traces back to this moment. And part of what I want you to see is that this was never, ever something that only some followers of Jesus were called to do. It has always been something that all of us are called to do. And we are who we are today. Our church is what it is today because someone has shared that story with you. Because you have been faithful to share that story with others. Because you have been faithful to be a follower of Jesus who helps others follow Jesus. Everything goes back to these words. And this commission that Jesus gives when he says, this is what it means to follow me. Following me means helping others learn to follow me. Now some of you have been a part of this church for quite some time, longer than I have. And because you know uh, you've been a part of this church for so long, you know a bit more about the history of this church and, the, and what's happened in this family of faith over the course of many decades. I came here in 2005. I moved from serving as an associate at First Methodist Cleburne, uh, coming here uh, to First Methodist Mansfield. Cleburne was where my ministry began. In fact, I graduated from college on a Friday and started working there on Sunday. Uh, Six months after that, Stephanie and I got married. We started our life there in Cleburne. Uh, We spent four years there. It was a church that we loved. It was a place we loved living. It was hard to leave behind. But it was an exciting thing to to have the opportunity to be connected to this this remarkable church. 
When I came here in 2005, we had three Sunday morning worship services. And we, at that time, uh, we were averaging about 1,400 people uh, in worship uh, each and every weekend. This is right before we expanded this sanctuary. If you don't know, we have six weekend services today, and we have about 1,000 more who attend our church on a regular basis each and every weekend. Now it's about 2,400, 2,500. But when I came here in 2005, from 1995 to 2005, the church had already doubled twice in those 10 years. The growth of this church, it doubled and then it doubled again. And, and while the, the story has continued, uh, that, that's what the fullness of the last two decades uh, has been, that this church doubled and it doubled again and, and, and we're on the verge perhaps in the next few years of doubling again because very simply, you've been a church that, li- that has lived out this value that followers of Jesus are those who help others follow Jesus. Now, as you think about what does that look like when followers of Jesus follow Jesus, uh, here are three expressions that I want to encourage you to think about. That, That the ways in which we help people follow Jesus are first, we move towards others. The goal of faith is not that you would spend all of your time with other people who have the same faith that you have, but that you would move towards others, that you would move out into the community and you would be a light to others in your life, that you would model the life of faith for those that you share your life with and that you would have the courage to invite others into this new life. So you move towards others, you model the life, and you invite others into this new life. And as you think about what does it look like to model the life, what I want to encourage you to think about is depending on the stage of life that you were in, and depending on the context in which you were living, the, the culture in which you were located, modeling the life can look dramatically different. Modeling the life can look like BB's Lemonade and Snack Shack. It can look like Brindley and Blade offering those those, uh, uh, resources to their community, raising funds to bless orphans on the other side of the world. That's modeling the life of Jesus. It can look like what our students did just a few weeks ago, uh, over 200 students out in our community blessing and serving those in need. Spending time in the heat, doing yard work, building wheelchair ramps, all the things that they did simply as an expression of their faith in Jesus. That's another thing that it looks like to model the life of faith. It looks like the way in which you interact with those who you work with or those that you share life with, the other people who are in your neighborhood. It looks like the generosity and the service that you share. It looks like the way that you serve your community and your city. There's lots of different expressions when we think about what does it look like to model a life of faith. But sometimes modeling the life of faith looks very different because uh, we find ourselves experiencing a week like we have just experienced in the life of our nation. When you think about the tragedy and the, and the pain that our nation has, has endured over the course of the last week. And in situations like that, sometimes modeling the life of faith looks like this. It looks like being the one who is willing to stand up and say that racism is not only something 
that, that is against the values and the ideals of our nation. But it is an also an affront and an offense to God. It is not only something that as American citizens we say, hey, wait a second, we don't do this. It is an ideology that we as people of faith would say is an affront to the sovereignty of God. God the Father who created all things and in whose image all people have been created. God the Son who came and gave his life as a ransom for many, offering himself for the world. God the Spirit, the power that is meant to indwell the lives of brothers and sisters who are living under the Lordship of Jesus and are sent forth to do what? Disciple all nations and all peoples. For all have been created in the image of God and are loved by God. Sometimes modeling a life of faith looks like standing up and saying that this is an ideology. This is a false way of thinking that is totally adversarial to the gospel that we seek to advance. And people in the church, people who have faith, have to be willing to stand up and say, not just because of what we believe as citizens, but because what we believe as those who are living under the lordship of Jesus. This cannot have any place here. We have to move towards others. We have to model the life. And we have to be willing to invite others into this way of life to be willing to verbalize, to give, to give an answer to what is it? What is it about your life? What is it about your beliefs? What is it about your faith that leads you into this peculiar behavior? The person who forgives when others don't. The person who loves when no one else is willing to. The person who stands up for the person who no one else will stand up for. What is the faith behind that? It's not enough simply to model. If we're unwilling to share the invitation to give voice to the faith that informs the life that we live and who you are today as a family of faith is because you have done these things. Because you've moved towards others in your life, you've modeled it and you've invited people into it. And the church grows and lives change and new futures are made possible when followers of Jesus do what they have always been called to do, to help other people follow Jesus. When I came here in 2005, one of the individuals that I was privileged to know, share life with, share ministry with, uh, was a woman named Charlene McKenzie. Uh, some of you knew Charlene. Uh, others of you, you may have uh, uh, been a part of this family of faith, joined uh, since Charlene passed away in 2010, and so you didn't have the chance uh, to know her, to be blessed by her. Uh, Charlene served uh, as a middle school English teacher here in the Mansfield School District for around 20 years. She also served here on our staff in both uh, music ministry and children's ministry. Uh, those who had the privilege to know Charlene uh, knew her as a follower of Jesus who was always willing to help others follow Jesus. 
Uh, Last December, I shared with you uh, these words which I wrote about Charlene. Uh, Charlene McKenzie was a woman who had a heart at least twice as large as the rest of us. It was a heart that beat for educating the youth of our community, for inspiring them to pursue their dreams and making our world a better place one life at a time. Charlene had a deep and sincere belief in people. So many who were privileged to be blessed by Charlene's presence in their life found themselves doing things they never thought were possible because of her contagious sense of optimism and possibility. If Charlene believed that something could happen, it suddenly became easier for you to believe it would happen as well. She dedicated her life to the conviction that education could be the catalyst for the realization of those dreams. Our church family, the Wester community in the city of Mansfield, lost a giant when Charlene's life was cut short by pancreatic cancer. And I will never forget what Charlene shared with several of her pastors when we came to pray for her after the full extent of her illness was revealed. I'll just tell you this part of the story. I remember Pastor Mike, myself, Pastor Sharon, we were kneeling before her little lazy boy. And Mike looked at her and he said, Charlene, how do you want us to pray for you? And this is what she said. I don't expect to be healed of this disease, but I want you to pray that I would continue to be a witness of faith and strength for as many days as I have left. And because it was Charlene, that's exactly what we prayed for because you did what Charlene asked you to do. I can think of no educator more well-deserving of having one of our MISD facilities named in her honor and memory. Charlene's heart, her character, and her dedication to serve others were second to none. Her life's example is one we should hope and pray that all of the students in our school district would follow as a result of the high-quality education we offer in the Mansfield Independent School District. Uh, I wrote that and invited you to write a letter similar to that uh, as uh, a team was considering individuals in our community we might honor as uh, new school facilities were preparing uh, to be opened. One of those was a literacy center. At the time, we thought that would be just such a great thing for Charlene if maybe the literacy center could be named uh, in her honor. I found out this week that that it's not going to be the literacy center. Instead, middle school number seven, uh, when it is opened here uh, in Mansfield, uh, will open as the Charlene Brant McKenzie Middle School. I got all, I got all the way through that, all the way to the end. So often we ask God to do what God sends us to do. God, would you heal the world? Would you make it a better place? Would you be with the lost and the hurting? Would you bring peace? Would you bring restoration? Would you calm the anxieties and fears of the people that I'm sharing life with? God, would you 
would you do this for us? And often we receive the same invitation that Jesus shares with the disciples here at the end. He says, that's what I'm sending you to do. Romans says it this way, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are feet of those who bring good news. Here's what I invite you to do uh, as we close. I want to invite you just to simply look at these three words, to move, to model, and to invite. And I want to challenge you just to think about what is it, uh, what area might God call you to focus on as you think about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus who helps others follow Jesus? Do you need to move more closely into the lives of others in your life? Do you need to think about how you're modeling the life of faith? Is there, is there something that the Spirit would teach you about how you can do that better in your life? Or do you need to invite? Is it time to simply share a word of invitation or to be willing to, to speak about the faith that, is, that informs you and shapes you and, and guides your life? Because who we are today is a, is a result of others who have shared that life with us and God is sending us to do for others what others have done for us. Let's pray together. Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for your belief in us and for the gift of the Holy Spirit which empowers us to do things beyond our imagination. We thank you, Lord, for your saints like Charlene who have taught us that truth, whose life and faith their own witness, Lord, speaks to it, but, but also, Lord, the lives that she poured into also reflect that, that beautiful idea. Lord, we pray that you would bless and equip our community of faith, that you'd bless kids like Brinley and Blade, that you'd bless students like our middle school and high school students who served in our community just a few weeks ago, that you'd bless all of us, Lord, with the wisdom to know what it is that we might do to be followers of Jesus who help others follow Jesus. All these things we ask in your name. Amen.